Jessica Kim, and welcome to the I Am Not Alone podcast, where we dive deep into the personal, professional, cultural, and systemic changes that will redefine the way we care for one another. I'm so excited to bring you today's episode. We got to sit down with Kate Washington, author of Already Toast, Caregiving and Burnout. I love that title. It is so accurate. And she is a true advocate for family caregivers. She opens up about her own caregiving journey and what has inspired her to fight for the systemic changes that are so deeply needed and how she is using her voice to educate, raise awareness, and lead these powerful changes. So today I'm here with Kate Washington. She is a critically acclaimed author of the book called Already Toast. She's a journalist and she's a family caregiver advocate. So Kate, thank you so much for being here. I feel like I know you because I've read your book, I've listened to your book, and I've been following your work and I just really deeply appreciate just how you've been such a much needed strong voice for family caregivers in this critical, critical time. So thank you for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so let's jump into this. Um, you know, I would love to just get a quick snapshot of what your live, work, care situation looks like today. So today it's a little different than the period that I wrote about in my book, which really yeah. covered the most intense years of my husband's illness, um, cancer, and bone marrow transplant and aftermath in 2015, 2016, and around that time. Now he is chronically ill, but relatively stable. And he's much more able to manage aspects of his own care, though the pandemic really kind of threw that back into question where it really brought me back into the most intense caregiving years just because he's immune suppressed. And so my kind of responsibilities of interfacing with the world and all of that really changed to protect him before vaccinations were available. And now, of course, everything's kind of thrown back into question. Um, I also have two kids, a 16-year-old and one who's about to turn 12. So I'm juggling and balancing parenting, um, you know, kind of being in care partnership with my husband at this point and um, self-driven work. Yeah. No, that, thank you so much for that rundown. And I, what I love about your book is that you use your beautiful gift of knowing how to articulate such complex, you know, emotions and situations. You talk a lot about the social dynamics between the doctors and clinicians and then your family and friends. But what really drove you to write this book? And what are some of the key messages that you really want the world to take away from it? Well, when I was pulled into caring for my husband through his illness, you know, caregiving wasn't really something that was on my radar. I had two young kids. Um, I had kind of expected to care more for my mom, who was local to me when she got older. She had a lot of health issues, but she died much younger than I expected her to. And so I wasn't really thinking about, you know, issues of caregiving and how hard that might be on people. And then Brad, my husband, got sick unexpectedly. And I was really surprised by how overwhelming it was and how little formal and structural support there was out there. And honestly, you know, I was looking for something to explain this phenomenon from a systemic point of view, and I wasn't really finding that much out there. So in a way, what drove me to write the book was that I wanted a book like this when I was in the hardest parts of caregiving. Um, and I really wanted to tell 
not just my story, which is one particular story, but there are 53 million and growing caregivers in America. And so I really wanted to tell the story of why the work of being a caregiver is so difficult in America today, why it so often leads to burnout and think about it from a larger systemic point of view, not just my own story. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you speak um, to so many of these dynamics. One, what we typically think of caregiving and that it's uh, usually only thought of as elder care or childcare, but there's a lot in between. And so, um, and, and the fact that you were thrust into caregiving, right? It just is, um, what are some of the biggest realizations that you realized had to shift you know, uh, in the either the dynamics socially, the cultural norms, you know, you talk about the work situation. What are some of the things, you know, because we have to bring it to life because unless you've really gone through it, it's really hard to <laughs> really understand. So what are some of those things that we need to be cognizant of, of how we can really support caregivers? Yeah, I mean, I was really taken aback by the economic impact, um, not just for myself of having to step out of the freelance workforce, but this is huge in the corporate and formal employment worlds. You know, so many people have to leave work or cut back on their hours because of the lack of paid leave and because of just the demands of caregiving. You know, it can be really all consuming, can take hours. You, there's not just the hands-on work of caregiving, which is um, really challenging, but also all of the allied parts, life maintenance, bureaucracy, dealing with paperwork, all of the parts of financial and bureaucratic caregiving that I think a lot of people don't really think about until you're in it. And if you're you know, caring for a parent, caring for a spouse, and they're not able to handle all of that life business, your you know, responsibilities grow in kind. And then one of the big surprises for me and something that has grown hugely over recent decades is the degree to which um, caregiving has become really hands-on and highly medicalized. So family members are being tasked with ever more complicated medical procedures in home care, things like wound care, IV care. Um, you know, I was administering IV medications IV nutrition with a pretty complicated procedure. And this is done with pretty minimal training. It, it can be really, really stressful. And that is something that I just, you know, when my husband was discharged from the hospital and needed IV antibiotics, I frankly, I assumed they would send a nurse and it was like, oh no, it's all you. <laughs> and right. this was a huge shock and something that I think people aren't really prepared for the intensity and all encompassing nature of, of family caregiving. And so much of it is just so thrust upon you and unexpected, right? Like I remember having to pump my mom's stomach several times a day and I was like, is there a YouTube video on this? How come no one's walking yeah. you through it, right? And so I totally agree with you. How did you figure it out? Like, or was a big, like, did it take you a long time to figure it out? I mean, to your point, there's finance, there's medical side, there's, you talk a lot about the loneliness and the isolation of this role. Um, how did you start that journey of figuring out what to do? Yeah, I mean, I felt like, and I'm sure you, you know, with the stomach pumping as well, it's just you take 
it as it comes and the next step because Mm -hmm. we all want to care for the people we love the most you know it's not like I as something came my way I could be like oh no actually like you need to go to the emergency room I'm not gonna not gonna handle that today like I I'd like to stay here and drink my wine or whatever is happening um you know, in some ways, I almost started to feel like it was a video game where things started flying at you faster and faster, and you just had to adjust and try to bat them away and handle whatever the next thing was right. as it came. And um, I also likened it to kind of emotional twister of like, okay, I guess I'll stretch for the next thing. You know, um, there's just an enormous number of tasks that are assumed that there's a family member at home to handle them when somebody is seriously ill. And you just Mm -hmm. kind of have to step up and do it. But also you have to ask for help, which was a critical kind of learning piece for me and not something that is necessarily, you know, my first instinct all the time. Yeah. No, I mean that you're, you again, articulate that so well. And we work with a lot of working caregivers and what you just said is I think hit the nail on the head where it's like it's always assumed that there's someone else at home managing all of that but a lot of times you are that person and so there's a lot of backup care and there's there's some um, paid leave which I think is just the base like that is critical and so important but as we look at other ways to support if you think because you were working too like what are other kind of resources benefits any kind of emotional support do you think caregivers truly need as they go through this? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned paid leave. I think like that is such a baseline for either for companies to offer, or I think we're at a really critical moment where I would love to see that as a national policy change where we, we had actual mandated paid family leave in this country. I would also love to see on a policy level things like tax credits or other economic relief for caregivers. Um, In terms of the corporate world and the work world, I would love to see greater flexibility for people and just more openness about caregiving. You know, paid leave is wonderful, but if you can't use it because you can only use it in like a day long chunk, but you need to divide it up for, you know, an ailing family member who has random appointments at different times of day and you're not getting the support you need to adjust your hours as a worker to accommodate that it doesn't do you as much good as it could. Um, I also just really feel like peer support, connection, openness about the challenges of caregiving is so important culturally. And also, you know, in the workforce, we have this moment that's kind of an inflection point now that the pandemic has kind of exposed all of our home and personal lives in the work world. You know, I'm not sure if everybody wants to keep that level of openness of having, you know, your kid run through the Zoom in the background. But, you know, I think it has humanized everybody. And one of the things about caregiving is that it so often takes place in silence and behind closed doors. And we're all kind of socialized to say we're fine, to handle it individually. And if you look at the numbers and think about more than 50 million Americans caring for an adult friend or family member, that's a sixth of us. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows somebody who is a family caregiver. Every workplace has one or more family caregivers in it. And recognizing that and accommodating that reality 
is good not just for the caregivers, but ultimately um, in the workplace, it's good for employers as well. It helps you retain talent. Um, you know, you're the valuable resource of your employee who's trained and knows their role. If they have to leave, you've, you've lost that investment. And so supporting people in an array of different ways, I think is really critical, especially because the ranks of family caregivers are only going to grow in the years ahead. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. I mean, you're speaking our language. We always say this is like <laughs> really critical moment in time, right? That we can't just let pass and say, let's go back to normal. Like forever things are going to, um, you know, shift and change in the way we live, work and care. And then also to your point, like it's exposed. So when something exposed, we can't just like close it up again. We have to do something about it. And so, you know, that's a beautiful way to say, you know, we got to act now and this is our ch chance to change it and redefine it. And so to end our time here, and it's really quick, uh, but we'll definitely continue this conversation. Uh, but what is one word or phrase that really describes what you would want to redefine or change about caregiving in today's culture? This might sound a little abstract, but the one word that I would want to apply to caregiving and have people think about it from this point of view is systemic. Mm -hmm. I think we very often think of caregiving as an individual's problem, an individual's like dilemma to solve. This is a massive systemic issue that we need to approach from a broad-based systemic point of view. This isn't just something that's happening randomly across the country in hospitals when people are discharged and the family members are like, what do you mean I need to provide 24-hour care? It's, it's a broad-based issue that millions of us commonly face. And I think we need to start thinking about it in a broad-based way. Employers need to think about it as a systemic issue that's going to affect them. Employees need to think about it, not just as like, oh, I need to scramble to get the care my mom needs, but you know, advocate and think about like, this is something that's affecting all of us. It's a cultural issue. It's a broad issue. It's not just, you know, my own challenging issue. And that's really why I wrote my book and what I wanted to say in my book was that lots and lots of siloed, burned out caregivers are struggling alone. And if we come together and raise our voices, we have collective power and we need to think about it much more as a collective issue rather than an individual one. Okay, I am feeling that in my gut. Like that is literally the way that, you know, my co-founder Steve and I like started Ionicare, even in the our choice of business model. Because uh, so, you know, it's like, oh, can't you just work with individual caregivers? I'm like, this is why this is not being solved. Caregiving is not a new thing, right? But we often see it as this is your problem to solve because it's happening hidden in your home. But in caregivers are the invisible backbone of our entire society, healthcare system, <laughs> the way we uh, our finances work, the way our families are built. And far too long have we said that this is an individual issue. And this is why I love your book. I love that you're advocating for it. We are going to do so much more together <laughs> because this has to change. Um, so I'm so grateful for your time. Thank you for what you do. Appreciate your voice. Keep going because we're all listening. could have talked for hours. I feel like we only scratched the surface. I can't wait to have Kate back on. 
You know, this conversation really highlights that cultural and systemic changes require all of us to share our thoughts and work together to find innovative and unique solutions. So that's what we want to hear. We want to hear from all of you. What would you like to see change at a systemic level? What would make your day-to-day care journey just a little easier? So share your thoughts on today's conversation on social media at IonaCare. So thanks for joining us as we navigate this journey together. Thank you.